Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Everybody, what about Charlie? What about Charlie? I'm Mike. That's Tommy. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Kevin is not here in his place. Special guest, composer David Newman, who's done over 100 movies, including The Mighty Ducks, Nutty Professor, Anastasia, who's nominated for an Oscar for that. Uh, thanks for being here, David. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. So you're the son of a Hollywood composer. How did you kind of get your start in the business? Um, well, Alfred Newman was my father, the guy that wrote the Fox logo and oh, wow. Fox films from uh, 1939 to 59. He was the head of music at uh, at, at Fox. Um, so, I, I don't know, we were all into music, um, me and my brother um, and all of our family uh, from growing up. But we had a really normal childhood. We didn't really understand kind of how in, in certain circles, how famous my father was. Um, he uh, won nine Academy Awards and was nominated over um, 40 times in his life. And uh, he was nominated for the movie Airport, uh, the, the 1969, uh, the first disaster movie, um, right before he died. So he worked up all, you know, almost until he, he died. He had an amazing career, but we didn't really know anything about it till because we were pretty young when he passed away and um, we sort of got to know about our kind of legacy, our family legacy older uh, when we were, you know, later in our adolescence and early twenties. So, uh, but that, you know, but we, we were certainly all trained musically, you know, I don't know. I grew up in LA, Los Angeles during the late sixties and seventies. I went to high school and junior, we called it junior high school and high school instead of middle school and upper school. And then, were full-time music teachers and drama teachers and art teachers it was a it was an arts paradise <laughs> now of course it's the absolute you know it's an arts wasteland now awesome <laughs> so i mean when did you kind of decide that you wanted to get into it i got into music i was a violinist um i played professionally in my 20s so from about 1977 to maybe 1982, 83, I was doing session work in Los Angeles for violin on E.T., the John Williams film in 1941, that John Williams film and the original Star Trek film that Goldsmith did. I, I played on hundreds of, of films and I, I didn't do any writing at all. And then around when I got I got married in 1982 and I got kind of bored playing studio work that's what we called it you know freelance work mm -hmm. and i wanted to write music you know and my brother tom was already writing and doing stuff so i decided i wanted to you know do it too and so it took me a few years and then um and then like the fir first movie i did the real movie i did was with steve was Stephen herrick who directed you know as you know mighty ducks yeah um it was a movie called critters 
Uh, but it took me like three or four years to get a movie even like like that. It took me a long time. But, you know, once I started writing, then I was kind of, you know, at, the, at that point, if you wrote a little bit, um, you just kept going. There wasn't as many people that knew how to do it. And I was really well trained and um, in music and et cetera. So, it, it, you know, then you just start moving up. So that's that's kind of how it happened for me. I didn't really write any film scores till I was almost in my 30s. But I was working all through my 20s. And now you mentioned, you know, trying to, you said you like three or four years and then you finally got Critters. What is like, can you take it through for like an application process like for that? Or how do you even like try to get onto a film? I imagine it's not like a, a normal job where you apply and kind of wait because you can't really send in like your paper clips or anything like that. Right. You you have to figure out, you know, I live in Los Angeles. I knew something about the business. You have to figure out how you're going to write some music and who you're going to get your music to and try to get an agent. And, you know, you, you go through all these sorts of things and hope that somebody mentors you, likes you, likes your music or likes you and tells a director or an editor or a music editor about you. A music editor is a person that um, works with the director and with um, the composer um, but they're really generally early on in a film because they're doing something called temping the movie, meaning when they finish shooting the movie, they start cutting it and they want to put music in. And sometimes the editor will try to find music, but more often than not, they'll hire what's called a music editor to find temporary music, which is why it's called temp music, put it in the movie. So what you really want to try to do is get your music to a music editor and have them put it in a movie and then have the director say, wow, I really like that music. And then that way you can maybe get hired when you don't have any credits or anything. And once you get credits, you get hired vis-a-vis -vis your credits. So it's, it, it's, it's like a snowball. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can't get anything done. And then once you get going, it, it, it move, you know, if you're any good at it, um, it, 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 it balloons. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And uh, how much does it vary in terms of when, um, I guess, a, a movie, they, they start to think about what kind of music they want? Do they know that from the onset or do they know that not until they're done shooting? Or is it just does it vary with, I guess, uh, different producers and directors, things like that? It definitely varies. But um, almost always when a composer comes onto a film, there's some concept and some like material, some something they like, a song or a piece of music that they like. But then once the movie's made, sometimes you just throw it out the window and they, you know, you you find something else. A lot of stuff in movies is is um, referential in the way referential in the in the sense that it's it refers to something else because it's a populist medium, um, and you know everyone talks about originality and all that because that's part of our sort of myth of our, our culture but it, it really is a myth it, it everything relates to something else so when you talk about music or the kind of movie you're going to do or the shot you're going to do or the lens they're going to use or the actor's going to use they're, they're always referencing you know something something else so for me for music it's always referencing a song another film score or, or maybe 
a piece of popular music or classical music or something like that. But generally early on when editors are cutting, and a lot of time they're cutting during um, filming, that they're because they're cutting what's called dailies. I don't know, is your audience a film audience or do they probably movie? not? <laughs> yeah, it, they're probably when, not too much into it. Oh, it's you know they say shoot a movie. So a movie like that, the Mighty Ducks probably shot thirty to forty days. A day might be anywhere from twelve to eighteen hours, and they shoot pages or scenes. And when they're done with the day, they, they print it. You know, in the movies when they say cut print, they would because it was all on film. That those those that those takes would have to be sent to a lab and um, uh, exposed. And then the next morning, everyone will gather early in the morning or late at night or depending on film was. And they look at what's called dailies, meaning everything they shot the previous day, they would look at it and they talk about it and they, you know, blah, blah, blah. We need to do this. And, and then so so after a few days, say a whole sequence was shot, the would take the dailies and cut something together, cut the scene together. And more often than not, he pulls some music because they know there's going to be music there and they would put music on the dailies. And so from the very beginning of almost the shooting and cut dailies and cutting kind of paradigm, music is thrown in, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't work, but, but it's the only way to talk about it because you can say, you know, I like this or I don't like it, you, it to talk about it. And the abstract is almost, you know, impossible. That's generally the way movies were done and are done now. It's a little different now, but at that point, that's kind of the way it was done. Okay. Okay. So you mentioned you worked with Stephen Herrick on Critters. I'm assuming that's how you got onto the Mighty Ducks. Yes, because we we enjoyed working together, and 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 at that point in the set in the eighties. And 90s, uh, uh, you know, when you think about like um, John Williams working for Spielberg or um, uh, Alan Silvestri working for Zemeckis or uh, Terry Gilliam and um, and um, uh, Michael Kamen or, you know, blah, blah, blah. It generally a, a director would use the same composer, the same editor, the same, you know, th- mm-hmm. they would just use the same people over and over again. So like I worked, I did all of Danny DeVito's films when he was working. And for a while I did a lot of Steve's films. Then I didn't, then I, then later in his career, I did as, you know, as, as well, but I had done Critters and then we were, you know, we enjoyed it. And so, you know, we did Mighty Ducks. Okay. So you obviously wrote the theme that they used in all three movies. Where did that kind of like inspiration come from? How do you come up with a theme like that? Sports guy. I, I played sports in high school. Mm-hmm. Played hockey. I played basketball and baseball, um, and a little bit of football, but not not into you know not into co- into high school. Um, so I loved I love sports. It was a great sports movie. You know, very. It's a very. There's a lot of delicate stuff in it as as, as well as aside from the the last third of the movie, which is you know the 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 the, the game part of it. But um, you know I. I, I don't think we. I think I came up with the theme pretty quickly. It wasn't all that, all that difficult to 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 come up with. 
but I figure my my background in sports helped me with that. Now, your listen is doing the music for the Money Docs. Are you picking, like, the rest of the music that goes in? Are you creating it? How does that whole kind of situation work? But the other ones, uh, you know, maybe they use some of my music, but I wasn't involved in any of the other ones. Just just the original yeah. one. Mm-hmm. And you just scored that, like, all the way through? All, all the way through, yeah. Now, I've heard, I heard, you know, I mean, there's songs in it and stuff, obviously, as well. Yeah. There was temp music in it as well, like I was explaining. Mm-hmm. But we we worked through it, and um, at, at, at that point, that the, there was very little. You'd have to sort of play the theme on a piano. There wasn't as much technology as there is now, so um, a lot of it was done at the actual recording session. Of uh, you know, if Steve didn't like something, I'd have to change it, and we'd work it out with the orchestra. There, we had a, we had a huge orchestra at. I think I think it was at Todd AO, a place in um uh in the valley in Los Angeles. Where are you guys located? We're in Dallas, actually. We're in Texas, yeah. This was in uh yeah, we we um we scored this in a place, as I said, called Todd AO, which was on uh um Radford and Ventura Boulevard in the valley in Los Angeles. Okay. Big huge scoring stage. Okay. Now- that's where we did it, and, and a lot of it, you know. We had days and days of recording, and a lot of it was the things that were not working, we'd sort of fix, or I'd go home and write and come back the next day, and, and that was sort of the way stuff was done then. I don't know if that's interesting, but that's the way. <laughs> and so, well, first, how many, you mentioned this huge orchestra, how many uh, people were in it, do you think? I don't remember. It was probably 70 or 80 or 90. Wow. That, I'd have to look. Um but uh, it was a Disney, you know, it was a Disney movie. It was a studio movie. And um, I think I, Michael Eisner was there at the time. And I think he, it was, it was a big, it was a big movie for them. Mm-hmm. They wanted a franchise out of it. Yeah. Is that like a typical orchestra? Like what's, what's like the usual amount of people in your orchestra that you work with? Anywhere from 70 to 100. Yeah. Okay. And and then when was the first time that you got to see, you know, the, the not the finished product, but the parts of the movie, so you kind of knew, you know, what what you were working with? Did you get to see it early on, or was it kind of like, here's a finished movie, go nuts? I saw it, let's see, was it, did he do Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure before this movie? Uh, I believe so. After, hang on. Do you know that movie, Bill and Ted's yeah, Excellent Adventure? I know it very Definitely. well. Definitely. <laughs> and I imagine our listeners do too. Just of course Wayne's World, what Wayne's World was. Um, <laughs> so that's 1989. So um, Mighty Ducks is, yeah, it's after that. Yeah, it's 92. Ted's Excellent Adventure 2, which I've been to a lot of the shooting of that one. Mm-hmm. But I remember going to the set at all for Mighty Ducks because um, I, I think I was really busy. And so I probably saw it about five or six weeks into his director's cut. The director's cut is like the, the, the you know, the DGAs, the Directors Guild of America. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they have 12 weeks where they don't have to show it to anybody. So um, Steve, so maybe halfway through that, we sat down and, and looked at it. But he, Steve loved to temp score. Steve loved music. So he loved, and he was an editor before. Um, and so he loved cutting in music. So he had cut in a lot of music. 
So we talked about it from a vantage point of it being tempt by him, essentially. Now, when you're scoring things like this, like how do you kind of what do you kind of look for in the that, like what's actually going on in the movie, and how do you kind of pair that with uh, what you kind of want the emotions you want to bring out in the viewer? Well, the the weird thing about movies, if you really talk honestly to filmmakers, is that you start off, it starts off with a script, somebody writing a script, and then they the studio says okay we're going to make this movie and then they cast it and you argue about they argue about casting and then they do location scouting and where they're going to do it and they hire the dp and they hire all these people and then they start shooting the movie and they go through this process as i was explaining to you this daily dailies kind of process and they sort of see what's working and what's not working then they do some rewriting then they shoot some more, then they do some more rewriting. But at some point, the film kind of becomes this thing, this organic thing that is a little bit more than just the director and the DP and the editor. It becomes this entity into of itself. Um, it's the most fun thing about making movies is that at some point it becomes like sentient. I mean, not really, but you, you know what I'm saying? And so you you might want the movie to be this, but it might be that. So I come in in what's called post-production. So there's pre-production, which is the script and all that stuff I was saying. There's the shooting, which I was describing that as the dailies. And then once they're done, they start editing the movie, which is post-production. So generally, I'm involved right at the beginning of post-production. So they, they put all the dailies together in order of what the story is and look at it and try to figure out what do they have. Is it what they predicted they were going to have or not? And if it's not, what are they going to do? What is the movie, really? What's the soul of the movie? Mm -hmm. So and by the time you get to music, which is the last thing that you do because – Music has to be done to what's called a locked film and pretend I'm quoting, unquoting with my fingers. <laughs> film. It's never really locked, but writing music, it's not like doing sound effects or cutting film. It exists from this point to this point. If you shorten it or lengthen it, the music's not going to fit the same way mm -hmm. to adjust it. So you don't want to write any music till it's quote unquote locked. And so you're, you have to wait till the very end or as long as you can wait to write music. So by that time, the film is very clearly or not clearly, depending how good the film is, what it is. Might not be what they predicted it was going to be or wanted it to be at the beginning. So you as the composer have to find out what's the what's the through line of of the movie so like the mighty ducks right the through line oh yes it's it's david and goliath a little bit mm -hmm. so much of it is the joy of those kids playing it's 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 joyous right mm -hmm. so i don't know what does that mean in terms of music i don't really know 
what that means. But in terms of like that whole sequence where he's remembering and skating by himself, you know, in the middle of the movie, all that needs to be a through line that pays off at the end. And it needs to be tough because hockey's a tough, violent sport, but they're also kids. And it's fun for them. It's not, it's not, um, the violence isn't, um, I mean, maybe it's a little scary in here and there, but it's, it's, it's fun for them mm-hmm. and joyous for them. And, and, and they learn to love each other and, and all that. So eventually I sort of try to bring that to it, right? That that's there in the film, but how do you, how do you, show that visually uh, that that kind of thing is better with music is is to show the youth the the vitality and the joy in it of of not just winning but playing the process of how you get to win mm-hmm. you know and then you have a theme that you bring back and back and um and that whole montage of when you know before they get to the final game of 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 them you know high fiving and and everything's starting to click and work and all that and then moving into the final game and and all that I don't know it's very hard to describe what music does because it's not narrative it can't really tell a story it tells a a kind of a, a emotional story and it can it can be um up and down you know you know happy sad you know dark light all that stuff but there's a certain through line that you get with it. And you, it, it really, no one really knows by the time you get to the point where you're actually doing it, um, exactly what's going on with the movie. Everyone's so tired and unobjective that kind of the last part of it is putting the music on. I want to go going back to something you said earlier. You mentioned you know everything kind of has a reference point, and you talked about you know playing sports as a kid, and then you just kind of went through this where it's David versus Goliath, and you gotta you know use the the you know it's a joyous for these kids. Was there a specific song or something that you had in mind when you were writing this um, the original theme song that you that you used as a reference point? Really, I really didn't. Um, <laughs> it came that the theme for me came really quickly. It's kind of an odd structure if you're a musician, um, which really is not, is it more of a technical thing? Um, cause it, it, it goes through a lot of chords. Um, but, um, once I had it, um, it was really useful cause I could use little parts of the theme for various parts of the score for various parts of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I could just really, I could slow it down. I could speed it up. You know, um, I, you know, films aren't done like that much anymore. Um, themes aren't as much a thing as they used to be at, at the time when that movie was was being made. Um, but the way that you would structure a movie like that is you would. The first thing I did was write that theme and made sure that Steve liked it and everybody liked it, and that it fit kind of the 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 kids part of it and it's a little quirky but it's joyous and it's and it can be really um uh it can be very triumphant and it can be sad and you know you can use it in all these different ways 
That that's how we used to do it. You'd get a theme, and then everything would be derived from a theme or two. Maybe you'd have another theme as well, but a principal theme would have sort of everything that you needed to vary the music that you did with the score. Mm-hmm. Again, that's not the way films or score is done now. How is it done now? It's it's more non-thematic. Uh, film music's more um, sound, not sound effects, but not in a bad way. It's more what we would call texture. Um, that you would have a sound or a like a loop or a sample of something like short little things that you would bring back to 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 remind the viewer of what happened before. Um, it's, it's, it's essentially non-thematic now. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's, it's technical. It, 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 this stuff all cycles around it and, and it, it's what's, um, you know, that, that, um, uh, you know, you just, you would look at contemporary music. It's good. To, contemporary music affects film music a lot. It always sort of has. So if you look at a, you know, you look at, at songs in the eighties and nineties and now, now, music now it, it's it's it 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 tends to analog film, film music and vice versa but it's a little technical i i don't i don't know that that explains anything but that's that's how i see it made sense it made sense to me at least yeah so you mentioned working with steve herrick uh, a lot on the the score and the film and everything is there anybody else you work with like in a movie like that well, I worked with Danny DeVito a lot at the same time. I did, I think, six films with him. Um, and that's what we all tried to do is work with work with filmmakers we really liked. And then we'd get a shorthand. And it was just so great. You, you wouldn't have to, you know, it wasn't that new thing. They, they, they knew how you worked. You knew how they worked. You knew how post-production worked how they cut movies, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, uh, you know, I mean, just look at, you know, as I said, John Williams and Spielberg and um, Alan and Zemeckis, you know, um, Alan Sylvester and Zemeckis. I did want to ask, you know, here we are like 23 years later, basically, for The Mighty Ducks. When you were going through the score and everything, when you saw it and you mentioned Disney wanted this franchise, did you think, okay, this might be something that in 20 years uh, I might get a call about for a podcast? Or does it surprise (laughs) you that people kind of still talk about the Mighty Ducks and everyone? um, It's something that a lot of people have seen, especially uh, in our age, you know, in their mid-20s, things like that. No, no, because, but again, that's what's so cool about movies is that you have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and, and it's so chaotic. And if you're, if you're temperamentally, um, inclined towards that, which I am, I, I like chaos with smart people. I don't like it with (laughs) talented and stupid, but when it's with talented people, it's just incredible. And the artists that work in Hollywood, and I'm talking not just the above the line, but below the line people, the editors, the DP, well, they're not really below the line, but the, all the craftspeople that work that you, and, and the actors too, everyone wants to make something great. Mm-hmm. One thinks that everything they're working on is going to be great. Otherwise, you know, you wouldn't do it. So I'm so glad that people like this, but I never, 
you, you just never know. Sometimes the things that you think are going to be great just turn out terrible. And the things that you think are terrible turn out to be great. You, you just never know. I was, I've been, I, you know, I worked on this movie called Tommy Boy, the, the, the Chris Farley <laughs> great film. Spade movie. And I was re, uh, listening to, uh, reading David Spade's book about that movie. And, and that's another movie that a lot, a lot of people um, have seen. And they just thought it was insane. They couldn't imagine that movie would do anything so chaotic in making it. But some movies touch people and some movies don't. And you never know. So when you work in the industry as a craftsperson, which is what I would consider myself, um, as a DP and an editor and all that stuff, we're, we're all basically, you know, we're all artists in a way, but most of it is hard work and craft. Um, you just keep doing stuff because you just never, you know, okay, I don't want to be crazy. Some things you know are going to be horrible. Any <laughs> percent of the time you don't know, you know, um, if something's going to be any good or not. You know, I didn't think, I honestly, I didn't think, I, I didn't think anything of Mighty Ducks. I just killed myself to do the best job that I could because I loved Steve and I loved the movie. And I, I love the way the trajectory of the movie, and I love the way Steve dealt with post-production. He was cutting a movie. He made the movies better. You know, when you're, when you're like me and you're watching post-production, you're watching, you know, edits. You're watching what they do, scenes they cut out, uh, different, different uh, takes that they use, uh, different close-ups. You know what I mean? You keep getting different cuts. Uh, of the movie and you watch does it get worse or does it get better you know steve's always got better it was fun we had fun working on it you know and steve's a jock too like me a sports person <laughs> tennis and 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 you know i we get we i loved sports it, it, i sports was like poetry for me you know i i loved it and steve i know felt the same way so it was we were very simpatico about that aspect of the movie of, of a bunch of people getting together and working really hard and, you know, and trying to do something. But the beauty in it was the was the working together. Yes, the, the, the results great when you win. But the, the real the real juice of the movie is them coming together. If you if, if you catch my drift. Yeah, it's kind of like inspiring. Uh, I mean, to kind of. I guess do the opposite of that. When you you've like I mentioned, you've done over a hundred films, and obviously you played on much more as a session musician. But when you look at the Mighty Ducks, like how do you compare your work to to the other films you have done? Does it rank high? Does it rank low? Oh, it ranks really high with me. Um, there are a couple cues in Mighty Ducks that I really love. Now it's a long time ago, and the recording techniques now are so much better. So I have a little trouble listening to the technology if that makes sense yeah mm -hmm. because it's it's older in some ways it's really terrific but um some stuff in it gives me pause but um i really there are several cues i really love in that movie and and i think overall it, it really it really works and it holds up i mean i haven't seen it in like a year i i saw i, I watched it last year with my kids but um i haven't i haven't seen it like in the very recent past but um i think it holds up it's fun 
it's it's kind of a, a kooky movie the way it starts and and then it turns into this sort of different thing. I, I also love that about Steve Carrot is that there's a certain thing where the movie starts. That movie started off, and you just think it's going to be this kind of kooky, sort of weirdish. Not weird. What's the good word? It's like a kind of slight little movie. You know, mm-hmm. it's not going to. It's it's going to be fun and all that. And then at some point, it turns into this sort of poetic metaphor of what sports is you know working together and 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 the joy of of all that and it's so cool because there's girls and you know i mean it's all awesome that 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 stuff so i I love that about steve too and that's that's a really great thing for music because you can start off in one place and you really take a journey with it what did uh what did your kids think of the movie they love the movie that's good (laughs) All right, so one final question here. We mentioned that you were nominated for an Academy Award. Uh, I, I believe Titanic beat you out. Do you hate Titanic? No, I like Titanic. Okay. <laughs> wasn't even it in was, the same category as Titanic. I think it was Full Monty that one. Oh, Full Monty that one? Yeah. For, yeah. Somehow, because it, was, um, it wasn't original. It was original score. It wasn't the, the theme song oh, or whatever. We got bad info. 15 minutes of original music. And in, in, um, in Anastasia, there were 60 minutes, not completely original, but using the songs that were originally written for the movie. There was over 60 minutes of music, so. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I whatever. Definitely. I don't care. Oh, I would definitely hold a grudge. <laughs> Tell you, my dad, um, the last movie he did was Airport in 1969, and he died in 1970, I think a month before the Academy Awards, which used to be in March. Um, in, in those days, it used to be later. And I was 15 at the time. I just turned 16. And I was going to accept the award for him if he won. And it was the same year as Love Story. So I went to the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, which is in downtown Los Angeles. And I'd never been to an Academy Award. Well, actually, I had been, but not like this, like as, as a, you know, person sitting way up close and, and doing it. And it was um, it was a really scary, heady experience. <laughs> but uh, you know what? The, um, the, I've been to a lot. I played like an eight consecutive Academy Awards as a violinist mm-hmm. um, later. So I kind of knew what it was. And I used to, I just, we used to just have a blast with the Academy Awards, my wife and I and our friends. And um, so um, it was, it was fun going. It was, it was fine. I, it wasn't, you know, anyway, so but I didn't lose to Titanic. I lost to the full Monty. <laughs> oh, that's my mistake. I had some bad info. Well, thank you very much, David. Appreciate you coming on. Anything anything coming up that you got coming out or anything like that? We just had a movie came out called um, uh, uh, Five Flights Up. And I have a movie coming out uh, that, I'm, that I will call something. I think it's, they changed the name. I think it's called Something Beautiful. Which I was somebody, but uh, um, that's coming out, I think, early next year. Okay, we'll be on the lookout for it. Doing a lot of conducting of live movie events. I just did um, Back to the Future. You know, Alan Silvestri is a really good friend of mine, Mm -hmm. and I just uh, we just did it at uh, Radio City in New York. The whole whole movie live, and (laughs) a side story and Home Alone and uh, E.T. and stuff like that. So I've been doing a lot of conducting lately. Okay, awesome. 
thank you very much for coming on. Appreciate it. On our end, go to thequackattack.com. Contact us at quackattackpod on Twitter. Facebook.com slash quackattackpod. Uh, go to iTunes and give us five stars. Because, as usual, another five-star episode. Tell us what your favorite part of the music of the Mighty Ducks was. And remember, ducks fly together. Ducks fly together. <laughs> <laughs>